Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Hoop Ball Nets podcast. Yes, you are. So we've got a lot to talk about today. But we're going to start it off with five takeaways. Yes, five. Five things that we gathered from watching the Nets play this preseason. So, we're going to start it off with number one. We noticed that they never shot 80% from the free throw line, which is a weird stat, but still, like, how? You are not going to win basketball games if you, you cannot make free your throws. free throws. They, that is a rule I learned in CYO when I used to play, that if you that's miss what they your teach free throws, you're not going to win the game. We lost multiple games when I played CYO by like five or ten points, and the coach would immediately pull out. You guys shot fifty-five percent from the free throw line. If you made all your free throws, we win by five. And it's crazy because the Nets shoot a ton of threes, and then they go to the basket, get fouled, and don't knock down their free throws. You want to shoot threes, contested threes, at least be able to make a free throw. So, yeah, they never shot 80% from the free throw line, which leads me to believe they're a subpar free throw shooting team, which is going to end up hurting them in the long run. I guarantee you there's going to be at least 15 games we recap where they lose because of a missed free throw, two missed free throws, bad free throw shooting. It's, it's going to be like if they would have made this many free throws, mm-hmm. they would have won enough, won, had enough points to win the game. Literally, it's going to be at least 15 games like that. The next thing we gathered is that Karis Levert handling the ball more might not be a good thing, considering he got 17 turnovers in four games. Okay, so I see your point here, but I disagree with it for the sole fact that he was not a point guard. So him handling that makes it even worse. No, but him handling the ball will come with experience. Like he has a handle, he can dribble the ball, but. He'll get the handle of the offense and passing the ball and not turning it over as much the more he experiences this. So the more they let him have this opportunity, the better he'll get at yeah, it. Yeah, but how, how how much do you want to trust because in Karis LeVert gets the same amount him, of turnovers? This is, this is not about D'Lo. How much do you want to put... Like, the more you give Karis LeVert the ball, the more he turns the ball over. And the more games you lose... The worse you look for free agents, are you really willing to risk it all in Karis Avert's development? But they don't have a guard who cannot turn the ball over. I'd rather give D'Lo the ball every Dinwiddie time. Dinwiddie is their best chance of not turning the ball over out of the three of them. Sure, fine. But that's because he wouldn't takes be, so many shots that he doesn't pass I the ball wouldn't be willing to, turn to I wouldn't be willing to give Karis Avert the ball every time and let him work it out at the expense of us losing games. Because at the end of the day, this net season is about showing free agents that they can come here and actually be a championship contender. Whether or not that's true is yet to be seen. 
But giving Karis LeVert, Karis LeVert the ball to get seven turnovers a game is I mean, not the he, way to go. He ran the offense for the bench unit for the second half of last season. So, I mean, he does have experience handling the ball. But if he gets that chance with the starters, more capable people of making the shots, I think the turnovers will start to fade a little more. And he'll he'll show why he should be their ball handler. Even though D'Lo is their listed point guard, he should be their ball handler. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You think Hazavert should be their primary ball handler? Yes. That. Yes. He will give them the best chance to win. Harris LeVert's vision is nowhere near. D'Angelo Russell does not pass the ball. He, He just, he averaged five assists last season. And he takes... So many shots. He contested. averaged five assists in like twenty five minutes. Know how many more? If he gets thirty minutes, yeah, he's averaging at least eight assists, seven no. assists. Do you know how many more times he could pass the ball that he doesn't? He he takes ridiculous shots. Okay, but do you know how many times he pa- that's gives why his amazing is so passes? Bad. Do you know how many times he sets teammates up that they miss and they miss? Do you know how many times he gives Allen Crabb a shot wide open in the corner and him shank it? every guard. Rondo could average 25 Nets, assists if they Nets, all make their shots. But shot. with the Nets, it's way worse because they don't have the, the – their skill isn't up to par with most teams in the league. Moving on, the next thing we realized or kind of gathered is that offensive rebounding might not be a problem for the Nets anymore considering they only lost the offensive rebound battle once. Ed Davis. Yeah, it, it's a combination of a lot of things. I Jared feel like, Allen has improved and Ed Davis. And I feel really like they're up. also having the guards uh, get on the boards more to push the pace and well, just run up the court. being that they're starting a 6'5 point LeVert, guard and a 6'7 shooting yeah, guard. Karis LeVert at the 2, D'Lo at the 1. They don't have anyone incapable of grabbing boards, so... When everyone jumps for it, the Nets might have the best chance of bringing it down on offense. And, and if they want to push the pace, it's better for the guard to get the ball and push it up the floor than to wait for an outlet pass from a big man. If you think about it, that's kind of what the Thunder do. They let Westbrook get the ball, push the fast, fast break, and him get an easy bucket instead of waiting for Steven Adams to outlet it to him every time. Um, so, yeah, hopefully they're not as bad on the offensive boards. One thing they are still horrible at is defense. That has not changed at all. They give they gave up at least 107 points to all four of the opponents they faced in the preseason. Last year, they, they were the third worst team in the amount of points they gave up. They gave up 110.3 points per game, which was worse to only the Pelicans and the Suns. So they definitely didn't improve and on the, the defensive end. The Pelicans were able to score as much as they gave up. Which is why they made the playoffs. The Suns and Nets were not. So they gave up this many points and were not able to match. They don't have the offensive firepower to match. And it's crazy because if you think about it, when you're running these big lineups, you should be able to defend. Like D'Lo's a 6'5 point guard. She should be able to lock up. Karis Levert's 6'7. You should be able to play some defense. Both of them, for as good as they are, the improvement Levert has shown, the fact that D'Lo's supposed to be the franchise cornerstone, both of them need to step up on defense or they're not going to get anywhere. The team's not going to win if they don't play defense. The two of them are the backcourt. And if you let Langston Galloway, Alonzo Trier, and Danny Green each have 22-plus points on you, you're not going to win any games because that means the front court will have to shut down everyone in order for... And that's just not, and it's po- not, that's not fair to ask that's of Jared Allen every night. For for Alan Crabb at the three to have to 
shut down Gordon Hayward, KD, LeBron, Kawhi, wh- whoever they play. That is not fair. Even Wiggins. Jared Allen to lock up Embiid, Towns, Capella, Gobert, any of them. Nope, not happening. So D'Lo has to be able to guard anyone. Danny who, Green and Mike anyone Galloway. who's not to the extent of Steph Curry and Kyrie that you know you cannot guard. Anyone like, I'll say, Reggie Jackson, Jeremy Lamb, players like that who are capable of of being forced to take bad shots and not be efficient, they need to do a good job of doing that. Not just let any old player smoke them. Moving on. The last thing that we picked up from this preseason is that the Nets are going to have a pretty unpredictable rotation. Which or, is on Kenny Atkinson. Or not, maybe not, the word unpredictable isn't the best word. It's going to be, it's crowded. still going to be crowded, muddled. Like, it, it, the, Jared, I mean, Kenny Atkinson is probably still going to have a short lease on D'Angelo Russell. And the, it's crazy because... When Dinwiddie was asked if there's competition at point guard, his direct quote was not at all. Number two pick, franchise point guard, future, and all that good stuff. As in, he knows that the point guard spot is D'Angelo Russell's, but Kenny Atkinson doesn't seem to know that as much as Spencer Dinwiddie does. So it's still going to be disappointing nights for D'Lo because of low minutes and bad play. That's not going to change, or it doesn't look like it will. So uh, moving on. We, we're we going to bring up a new segment here. We're going to keep an eye out or check up on the rookies that the Nets drafted because I feel like not enough people are talking about them. Well, one in particular. This is going to be called the Rookie Report, keeping it simple. So the Nets drafted Rodion Kurutz and Janon Musa in the first and second rounds of this. Musa was the first round pick. First round pick. 29 and Karuks was second round pick 40. 40. They drafted them both in this last year's draft. Well, in the draft that just passed. Okay, so Musa is a little confusing because he puts on a show when he plays for Bosnia. He puts up crazy stats, handles the ball for them, does all these crazy things, but he's hurt. And he came back to play in the preseason. For the Nets and had some horrible performances, but I don't know if that's a fair sample size, being that he's coming off an ankle injury and might not be a hundred percent. I guess his is incomplete, but in his two games, he averaged three points, one point five rebounds, thirty-seven point five percent shooting. In 12.4 minutes. And he only played two games. In in the third game of the preseason. He had. Four points. One rebound in 14 minutes. On two of six shooting. In the second game he had two points. And two rebounds on one of two shooting. In 11 minutes. That one is a little bit better. Being that he only took two shots. And made one of them. He was two and two. Like, oh, he wasn't, one of them. It wasn't a flashy stat line. But it was at least efficient for what he put up. He he didn't have a great preseason overall. Hopefully his ankle improves and he performs better and cracks their rotation in the season and is what they hoped because they saw him as a scoring machine, a sharpshooter. He can handle the ball, playmaker. He's supposed to be a special player out of Bosnia. He puts up big numbers when he plays for them. So... The Nets were hoping that he could translate those numbers 
over to their team. And while one Nets rookie might be disappointing everybody, one is definitely surprising, and that one would be, and that player is Rodeont Karooks. So Karooks was the 40th pick in the second round. He is he's a six nine small forward out of Latvia, same place Chris Tapps Porzingis used to play. Uh, so. In game four of the preseason and in game one of the preseason, Karooks really showed what he has. Like the he really ended and began the preseason well. His the two in the middle weren't so good. So just to show you guys what I'm talking about, in the first game he had 13 points, four rebounds, two assists on four of six shooting in only 12 minutes. In the second game, and in this so in the first game he had 13 points, and in the second and third games combined he had eight points. So. You know, he kind of slumped in the second second and third games. But in the last game, he had 10 points and 3 rebounds on 4 or 5 shooting in 12 minutes. And he's actually started to draw praise from not only his teammates, but Coach Atkinson. Karis LeVert calls Crooks an exciting player to watch. D'Lo said that he knows how to play the game well. And Atkinson said that he loves his energy. He's got talent and nice length. He called him a bit of a surprise, and he really harped on how he's a multi-positional player. Said he could play him at stretch five sometimes this season, and it makes sense because he's 6'9". You know, a lot of teams are running small ball, like the Warriors. And overall, Karooks finished the preseason averaging 7.8 points, 4.5 rebounds, only .8 assists, but 1.5 steals on 55.6% shooting in only 12.1 minutes. Karooks was asked whether he regrets playing for the team that he played for prior to being drafted because they were a competitive team and they didn't play him because he was so young and inexperienced and a lot of international teams play the best talent and don't look for potential and they play what's available to them and they did not see him as somebody who should be playing all the time so he barely played for them and he said he didn't really regret it but because it helped him grow as a player practicing with them. But he definitely believed he was ready even though they didn't see it. He thought he was ready to play. And he said he's ready to play for the Nets now. He loves to play the passing lanes. He said he's a defensive-minded player. So he's ready to bring one of the main things that the Nets lack, defense. And hopefully he can be a one to five position player something that they lack the closest they have is Karis LeVert and or Rondé and Rondé Hollis but Rondé can't go to the one and Karis can't go to the five if Karooks can go one to five since he's six nine he has the height to be able to do that hopefully he can be a steal in the draft for them the second round steal that there's usually one in every draft. Who knows? Maybe Kuroks can be the steal in this one. Okay, so a couple episodes ago, we gave you guys a player that we each thought the Nets should acquire. But that was kind of based on our raw knowledge of what they did last season. So now after seeing the four preseason games, we're going to revamp our predictions or guesses or opinions, I guess you could say. And we're going to give you guys one player we think they should get now. So for me, I guess I'll go first. After seeing their lack of defense at the guard position and lack of three-point shooting, to be honest, I say they should get Danny Green. Now, listen to me. Danny Green might have just gone to the Raptors. He also just lit them up for 22. And he's that perfect kind of player where 
he'll lock up the team's best player and he won't and he won't have a big ego about it. Like you won't have to feed Danny Green the ball for 20 shots, but when you give it to him, there's a good chance he's going to knock down a three and you won't have to worry about him on defense because he knows that's his forte, so he's going to try his hardest to do that. So I feel like Danny Green would address he's a guard. He would address the Nets uh need both at defense and shooting and he would be able to lock down the guards that D'Angelo Russell and Karis LeVert clearly can't. I actually have two players that I want the Nets to acquire. Being wow. that they lack veteran experience, they have Jared Dudley and Kenneth Fareed, but they don't really have any real veterans other than them two. And Fareed hasn't won anything. Dudley's been on some successful teams, but... I want them to acquire Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley was picked is basically up. Danny Green. <laughs> He's better. He was picked up by the Celtics. They expect him to be a great player, and I think he was. He's very underrated because, as many players have tweeted about, when he's been snubbed from defensive teams and even being Defensive Player of the Year. He's an amazing defensive player. McCullum has noted that he hates playing against Avery Bradley. He's a tough defensive player. He gets in your face without fouling. He And the Nets do not have this nitty-gritty defensive player. And all the while, Avery Bradley is an efficient three-point shooter. So you're getting an efficient three-point shooter, something they don't have. A great defensive player, something they don't have. Veteran experience on winning teams. Something they don't have. And he just fits perfectly with them. He would allow Karis Levert to shift back to the bench. Having Dinwiddie and Levert as a combo come off the bench is going to be amazing if they get a defensive-minded guard next to D'Lo. That then, is going but to then Karis LeVert couldn't be their primary ball handler. Off the bench, which is what he was last year. But that's not primary. And then they get two ball handles. Oh, okay. Avery Bradley also does not turn the ball over a lot. So he fixes a lot of their problems. And I also... Neither does Danny Green. I believe that another player they should look to acquire is Paul Millsap. I don't know if the Nuggets would look to deal him, being that they're a good team and they're probably going to make the playoffs. But Paul Millsap would be a shooter in the front court. He plays solid defense. He would be an actual four. He Yeah, they don't have a real great power forward. Ken Fareed is okay, but... No, let's be honest. Ken Fareed's bad. Yeah, he, he had a couple good years, and then yeah. he really... The manimal? Yeah, off. he's not bad anymore. He's but, bad. And even though Paul Millsap is, is old for basketball, the Nets having him for a year or two, even if he's there for... This season and next season, let's say. Him being there next season would attract a free agent to come and play with him. And D'Lo. Even though it would be one year, the free agent would realize that they can win with Millsap being there that year. And then after that, when Millsap leaves, more money clears for another free agent to come in his place. So if the Nets acquire players like Avery Bradley and Paul Millsap veteran players they would essentially become a mid to top tier team in the eastern conference 
They're not far away from it. They just need to tone down some of their main mistakes. So now we're going to give a rotation outlook of how we see it after the preseason games. We kind of said who we want to start and stuff in the last episode, but now we are going to say, based on those performances in the preseason, who we think there's more or less opportunity and stuff like that. So I think the starting unit should be D'Lo, Karis LeVert, Allen Crabb, Damari Carroll, and Jared Allen until Rondé Hollis returns. Then I think Allen Crabb should shift to the bench and Damari Carroll at the three, Rondé Hollis at the four. Then the bench would be... You really don't like Allen Crabb. No, I do not think he deserves to start. The bench unit will be Dinwiddie, Crabb, Joe Harris... Fareed Ed Davis, Shabazz Napier, and Kurooks. That is a 12-deep team, and they have Jared Dudley. So finding playing time for all of them is going to be tough. I guess in the beginning, he'll give small samples to the back end of the bench, and whoever makes the most of those opportunities will get more minutes. But the main guys are... The five starters, Dinwiddie, Crabb, Joe Harris. Those are the eight solidified in the rotation right now. And Ed Davis, I'd say. Ed Davis will get his because of the offensive rebounds. So those nine are solid, and the bottom of the team will be fighting for minutes. I think Joe Harris has deserved minutes because of his sharp shooting. The Nets lack that, and, and he's a pretty good defensive player. He could end up starting if off the bench he he plays very well. But for now, that's the way I see the rotation. For me, I know the odds of this are slim to none. But I'd like a more unconventional lineup. Get a little crazy here. I'm going to say I'd want the Nets to start D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert at the 3, Damari Carroll at the 4 with Jared Allen at the 5. Because I feel like that gives them the that gives them the most firepower, and their bench is still pretty decent. They still got Rondé Hollis off the bench, Joe Harris, Ed Davis, Kenneth Fareed. It's it's not as good as it would be if you have Spencer Dinwiddie in it, of course. But I feel like it gives the starting unit more huzzah, I guess you could say. So I would and I. Don't get. I feel like Karis LeVert could definitely play the three. He's six seven. LeBron's only six nine. If Langston Galloway puts up twenty four and Danny Green puts up twenty two oh, and Jared puts up twenty five, oh, I know. What exactly will Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Gordon Hayward, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard do <laughs> to this young man? Even Jason Tatum. See, the what thing are is, they all going to okay, do to this one, young man? Those three. everyone you just named is going to light up anybody on them. So that that's that. But three. Before we said that they were one of the worst defensive teams and they didn't have enough, they weren't good enough offensively to hang with them. You start Dinwiddie, Russell, Levert, Carroll Allen, that will, that's probably your best offensive lineup. And so, it's still not so if better. So you're going to hang with somebody, if you're going to hang with somebody, that's what you have to do. It's not, it's not ever going to be. No lineup they can put out is going to be better than half the league, half the teams in the league. They're one of the worst teams in the league, yes. But the, if they want to maximize their offensive potential, start the lineup I just said. That is the best chance you have of getting 
buckets after buckets after buckets. Now, the lineup I'd want to close out the game is a whole different story. It'd be D'Angelo Russell, of course, because he's the closer. Ice is this your hands. offensive closing or defensive closing? They both are going to mesh together here. So, we're going to go D'Angelo Russell because he's the closer, the Iceman himself, ice in my veins. We're going to go with Karis LeVert because, you know, he's Karis LeVert. He's supposed to be a breakout, so let's give him a chance to break out. At the three, we're going to go with Damari Carroll. Because he locks up. At the four, we're going to go with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Because he plays good defense as well. And at the five, we're going to go with Jared Allen. Now, that's not the best shooting lineup. We, I very much understand that. But at the end of the game, when you have D'Lo and Jared Allen, who's going to get their buckets, hopefully. Karis LeVert, a crafty scorer. Damari Carroll's a veteran, so you have that knowledge on the court to do what's right with the ball if it comes his way. And then we got Ronda Hallis-Jefferson, who's a complete wild card, Swiss Army knife, can do most things you ask of him. So I think that's a pretty good lineup for both offense and defense to close out the game for the Nets. What about you? So I have a completely separate lineup for offense and defense. Offense is D'Lo, Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, and Jared Allen. You don't have to go big at the end of the game when you're playing offense. Joe Harris will get you a bucket if he's open. And with all of those shooters on the floor, they're going to space the floor. There's a good chance someone can get open, and I'm confident all of those players to get a bucket. And honestly, at the end of the game, you could start playing defense-offense and subbing in and out. So my defensive lineup, I'm going to stick with D'Lo and Dinwiddie at the backcourt. But I'm going to sub out Joe Harris and Karis LeVert. I'm going to swap those two out for Damare Carroll and Rondé Hollis. And so the three consistents in the lineup are D'Lo and Dinwiddie and Jared Allen to close out the game. But I would do I would play defense offense with Damare Carroll, Rondé Hollis, and Joe Harris, Karis LeVert. So those are... Those are the eight. Those are eight of the players that. Those are seven of the nine players that will crack their rotation to me. I don't see Ed Davis unless they, they could bring him in at the end of the game if they feel like they really need an offensive rebound. They could put him in for Jared Allen if they need a three, but, I don't see anyone else on their bench playing a key role at the end of games for them. But, yeah, that's the main lineups for the Nets the way I see it. So, yeah, guys, that'll do it for this episode. Once again, we want to thank you all for listening. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNets. You can follow us individually on Twitter at NajeeAdams underscore N-A-J-E-E-A-D-A-M-S underscore Hunter. At Hunter underscore J-K-R. But, yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for listening, guys. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
workbook guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.